Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, man, that was an awesome worship set, wasn't it? Come on now. I'm, that's exciting. Come on, you can give some praise to that. That's just good stuff right there, man. If that doesn't fill your cup up, something's wrong. I'm telling you right now, you got a hole in your cup. So uh, if you if, if only, only Jeff would laugh. I'm sorry. If you're new to us, that's just, you know, I'm sorry. But anyways, uh, hey, welcome. My name is Jason. If you don't know me, I'd love to get to connect with you. Uh, but yeah, we're diving into a new series. And so if you're new with us, this is no better time to be with us because literally you're on the front end of something that's really going to be something powerful, something neat and something unique because we're going to take some information that literally God wanted to allow us to experience and we're going to put it into application. And it's going to take you to be a part of that. And for those listening online too, it's, it's where you're at right now, and we want you to move from here to there to see what God can do. And so uh, we're going to dive into the Old Testament, and, and we're going to see what God does with this, this, this book, this letter uh, called Haggai. And if you're from, you know, Casey County, it could be Haggai or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, or Lincoln, you know, you never know. But Haggai was a minor prophet. He didn't make the major leagues, okay? He was a little dude. He was, he was in the minors. But uh, it, it's an interesting story, and I encourage you to at least go check it out because I think you could, you could read it in literally a day uh, and couple hours probably, maybe even a couple minutes, because uh, it's not that long, but it's a really amazing story. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead, crack them for us. If you need a Bible, there's some in the back. Uh, hopefully, we'll fire some stuff on the screen for you. But find Haggai, or Haggai, and some of you are like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, because I ain't got a clue who this dude is. I didn't even know he's in the Bible. Uh, but he's right between, I'm going to give you some help. I mean, he's right between Zephaniah and Zechariah. Anybody know where that one's at? So, you know, if you can't find that, go to Matthew and just go backwards three books, okay? It's real simple. Go back three books to track, okay? Okay, I'm using some math terms, subtract, just a little bit, right? And so we're going to be into Haggai today, and before we get into it, I just want to start off with recognizing that so often, that so often, most of us, we wake up in a certain stage of life and have this real, this real unsettling and sinking feeling that's inside of us, and we think, by this point in my life, by this point in my life, I just expected more. I just expected us to be, you know, here, Right? And not there. And I thought by the time I, that I would reach this, whatever this is, you fill in the blank, but there'd be something different or something better or something more. And, and, and I know we all do that. We wake up out of bed and just like, what, what happened? Where, where did this come from? You know, and, and it could happen at really any stage of life. It really could. From going to college, I know some of you are getting ready to go to college and, and not knowing you know, what you're going to do, you're just experiencing the whole college scene. I hope you stay on track. You know, maybe, maybe for some of you, you were in college and you switched degrees, not just once, but maybe twice. And maybe you're one of those three persons or four persons. God love you. But, you know, it's those moments of clarity. Like, I don't know what to do, right? And to getting out of college with a piece of paper, and now you'll never use it because you decided, you know what? I don't even want, I don't even want to fly airplanes anymore. That was mine, by the way. But hoping to be married, right? Hoping to be married and maybe even with kids. But that's not where you're at in life right now. Or even now thinking maybe for some of you are a little bit older, maybe thinking that maybe grandkids would have been a part of your dream story. But to your surprise, where you're at in your life right now, time has flown by and you woke up and like, what's, what's going on? And maybe it has to do with your faith. 
Maybe it has to do with your religion or your church or your involvement where you're at with God. And you try to do this new thing and you commit to this new study and this new group or this Bible application, you version 101. But and you maybe you, you just, you begin a new way to worship and nothing changes. Nothing changes. And you wake up and think there has to be something more, better, different for my life. And, and, and you, you don't have to raise your hands, but have you felt that way? Has anybody felt that way? You see, honestly, this is the mood. This was the setting uh, that Haggai was writing this in this, in this time, in this era, 520 B.C. The people were saying, I really thought we would be in much different shape than we are now. And with this thought or this idea, I want to quickly give you a snapshot of, of, of how we got to the book of Haggai in the first place. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with history, but there was a king and his name was King Solomon. And Solomon essentially was one of the smartest people that ever walked the earth. And he left us so many words of wisdom. He was a great and mighty leader. Anyways, during the four, his fourth year of reign as king, as King Solomon, he started construction. He started construction on this most significant temple for God. And I think we have a picture for it, and that's sort of what it looked like. It was an amazing picture. These, of course, they didn't have cameras back there. For some of like, wow, I didn't know what that looked like. That's amazing. Okay, this is the best we can come up with, right? It's a picture, right? But this, is, this temple was more glorious than you could ever imagine, okay? People from all over the world would travel just to see this temple and offer their worship to God. They would do that. Imagine, imagine, this is the only thing I can come up with, but imagine like, for us in our world and to understand what it would look like in today's environment, people travel all over the world to visit this right here place, and it's called the, the Taj Mahal. They, they travel everywhere to, to get there just to take a picture and to be there because it's literally, it's made with ivory, white marble, and it's on the south bank of the Yaman River in India. It's amazing. People travel from all over the world just to get a glimpse of it. It was completely amazing, this temple that they had built back in the day. But after King Solomon died, the, the people's hearts turned away from God. They got distracted. They took their eyes off. They took their eyes off God. They, 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 they no longer was centering over you know, God, the, the idea of who he was and is to come. They got distracted, like people often do, right? And they started worshiping, unfortunately, idols. And what we know is God allowed a sequence of events. God allowed a sequence of events to take place in order to pull people's hearts back to himself. And, and in, fifth, in 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushed, crushed the southern kingdom of Judea. They're destroying the temple, not only completely humiliating and destroying the whole city, they grab all these people, but to add insult to injury, they destroy the house where God dwelt stripping away the, the spiritual identity and the Jewish people, and, and they were completely devastated by what just took place. And then the Jews were taken into captivity for decades, specifically 50 years. And so technically 70 because they were already in captivity for a while uh, before the destruction of the temple. But for 50 years after the temple and on and on and on, they were held in captivity. I mean, think about it. Your whole life, if for some of your you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, imagine being in captivity and you not knowing anything different that you would have to not worship God like we just did a minute ago because that's what you were not allowed to do. It's kind of crazy. 
Even some of you are 50, 60, 70, you got grandkids. They wouldn't be allowed to worship. This is what's happening during this day and time. And then in, in, in 538 BC, about 50,000 people were allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, the capital of Judea, to rebuild. And finally, after five decades, we, 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 they get back to their home, right? We get to rebuild our house for God. They were so excited because this is what they dreamed about for all this time. We get to have our own place again. You can imagine the relief and the excitement, the joy and the, inside their hearts, what they wanted to do and rebuild this temple for God. And they built the foundation. They built the altar. And then all of a sudden, last, the Samaritans came in and opposed their work. They just started making fun of them, and they had strong opposition to what's being taking place there. And, and, and their work, and suddenly, and, and they're like, uh-oh, this got very challenging for me. This got kind of hard. This got difficult for me. And, and, and it must not be the right time because it's not easy for me to do this anymore. And so they pushed pause. They stopped rebuilding what they longed for, what they dreamed for. See, I know we just covered a lot of history, and for some of you, you're like, oh, man, that's just crazy. It's still summer. I don't want to talk about history. Uh, and, but let me think about it this way. You know, God's people for 14 years didn't work on his own temple. For 14 years, it just sat completely idle, even after they got free. And then for five, or for 50, you know, five decades, 50 years, uh, that's all they thought about and talked about. And when it got difficult, for 14 years, they put the project on hold instead of working on God's house. And guess what they worked on? They actually started building their own houses, their own cultures, their own foundations. And they built very nice houses, and they forgot about God's house altogether. So what did God do? He raised up a prophet named Haggai. He raised up Haggai to call his people back to rebuild the temple of God. And if you're still struggling to understand everything thus far, just go read, go read it. Go read Haggai. It, there's only 39 verses in the entire book. It's not that much. It, like I said, it's, it's a minor prophet. But it has big time application for us today. Big time. And so if you found Haggai, uh, let's look at Haggai uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Haggai 1, verse 2. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. You're going to hear that a lot today, the Lord Almighty says. Uh, he actually goes into this in verse 1, verse, in, in, or verse 2. It says it this way. It says, these people. Now, everybody say it with me. Come on, say these people. Say it with me. These people. Okay, it's interesting to me. You'll find out. But he says, these people. The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. You know, these people say, there's the catch. It's the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now, the reason why I find this a little bit funny is because everywhere else in the Old Testament, when God talks about his people, he, he calls them my people, his people, his, 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 his kids, right? And now he's saying these people, these. And almost like he's disowned them or he's disgusted or he's upset with them. The only way I can clearly communicate this with you is, is, is think about it this way. When I walk through the door at my house, right, and I meet my wife at the door, Sarah, and, and she says, your kids, <laughs> right, or these kids, and I've heard her use that before, these kids. I'm like, where? I mean, what kind of kid? What kind of kid we're talking about, right? And, and when we're actually, they are our kids, right? I remember when they were conceived, they were our kids, 
right? It was a good moment. It was pretty much like that. She is blushing like crazy right now. But it's one of those moments, to my knowledge, it took two of us to make four little M&Ms. If you remember correctly, those are our kids. And they're not, not these kids. But we do that because when we get frustrated with our kids, right? When we get frustrated, we say those words. And, and I know that you know what I'm talking about, especially if you're a parent. Or you've been around environments where you claim family and you're like, these people, right? And so, anyways, God's like, these people. These people, for, for those, you know, people, uh, maybe not from around here in this area, you could even, you could even say it this way, culture, uh, the knuckleheads, right? These knuckleheads, they're not listening to me. They're not, they're not paying attention to what's most important. They're not my people anymore. These people are saying the time is not now to build my temple. The time is not now. It keeps coming out of their mouth. But yet they were held in captivity for a long, long decades. They longed for it. They prayed for it. But now they're like, uh, not going to happen. Now, why do you think the time wasn't now? It's a great question we have to ask. They thought the time wasn't now because they received opposition. They see, the Samaritans were opposing them. And what's funny is so often, whenever we receive opposition, we generally think it must be not God's will right now. It, it just got hard in my life. This is too challenging for me to complete. I want you to know something this morning. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Write this down. Because school's getting ready to start for some of you. And for some of you, you're changing your jobs, you're, you're changing some cultures, and maybe you're, you're, you're going to start serving in some capacities, and, and maybe it's just a different opportunity for this semester. And it's going to get challenging. And I don't want you to give up. But here's what I do know in my experiences. The closer we get to doing something that matters to the heart of God, the more likely we're going to face opposition. And that was completely quiet, but I'm telling you right now, there should be going some, mm-hmm. The closer we get to doing something that matters to the heart of God, the more likely we are going to face huge opposition. And you see, receiving opposition isn't a sign that God is against you. A lot of times it's a sign that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And I want to encourage you, if you're feeling the pressure this morning, you're on the right path. Keep going. I don't really worry about people who are opposing me. Let's be honest. When we were told, when we said we were going to launch a church in the heart of our community, had a lot of opposition and said, hey, you shouldn't do it. Here's why. Gave me 50 good reasons. And I knew we were on the right track because there wasn't one that stuck. And I worry when no one is against me. That's when you should be worried because then I know I'm not doing much for God today. You see, when we launched CP back in 2012 and since then, we have faced huge opposition every single way, every single step of the way. We, we have seen literally our building being taken away from us. We found ourselves in the middle of a park and it rained every single day. I mean, it was like 27 inches of rain that summer. But it never rained on the park. It never rained. I, 
I, I still don't even have words for it other than that when God ordains something, he will sustain it. And then we get to this location with 35 people up here on a Sunday morning. I'm like, God, just, are you kidding me? There's a dead bird over in that corner. There's some feces over there. I really don't know what that looks like. I think that's some maggots in that back corner. But God, this is your building, so what are you going to do with it? And since then, we've seen over 100 people come to know Jesus Christ just in a short time. And who knows what's next? We sort of have a glimpse, but we really don't have a clue. And we know we're getting faced with a ton of opposition because people are scared. People look at that and say, oh, another church building, congratulations. Well, that's a good thing that we don't have a plan to put a steeple on it because we just want love to be a beacon that blasts out into our communities and changes lives. I know it's going to face more opposition, and maybe you even have heard some of it, but at least you know now that we're on the right page tracking with God. You see, the moment you start to move forward and do something and, and be obedient to what God has called you to, mark it down, there's very likely spiritual opposition on its way. Can I get an amen, anybody? <laughs> right? I mean, there's very likely spiritual opposition on its way. When you find yourself being obedient to God, and it gets difficult, it gets difficult, it gets challenging, and it often does. I want to encourage you with this one simple thought that I believe is a game changer for you and for us. One simple thought, if you're taking notes, is this. It's just simple. Write this stuff down. With God's help, I want you to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. I want you to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Over and over again, just tell yourself with God, your help, he will enable you, empower me to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It would be so easy to quit focusing on God and start focusing on myself when it gets challenging. It would be hard and right to continue building the temple following and tracking inwardly towards Jesus. I want you to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It would be so easy when somebody hurts you to hold a grudge and to be angry at them for years, but it's the hard right to forgive others just as Christ forgave you because forgiven people are what? Commanded to forgive. It's easy to continue to spend more than you have and just buy whatever you want and to get yourself into debt. And it's the hard right to begin to climb out of debt live beneath your means, and live in such a way you can be massively generously, massively generous in ways that change the community, that changes the landscape for others around you. In our marriages, it's so easy in our culture, in our day and our time, to say, I'm done. The papers, let's move on. Just sign them and get out of here. But let me tell you, that covenant that you made before God and other witnesses says you roll up your sleeves and get busy because it's a hard right coming. Students, this semester, I'm telling you, there may be a moment when it's just easy to follow the group. Fall into places where you never meant to be or even worse, places you never thought you would go simply because it was easy. But I'm telling you, even if, even if you get made fun of, choose the hard right it will pay off when it's all said and done. I promise you, you cannot go wrong following Jesus. 
It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to not make a difference in the world. But we, as followers of Jesus, with the help of God, will choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And this is essentially what the prophet is going to help empower the people to do. He essentially tells them the time is now. The time is now. Now, for many of you, I want you to think just for a moment and ask yourself, is there some unfinished business right now in your life? Is there something that's in your life that's unfinished? And I want you to think, and then I want you to experience the rest of this message through the lenses of what might it be, an unfinished project for you. Just just think back. It could have been yesterday. It could have been last week or even a month or a year. It could have been 14 years ago where you believe God put something on your heart, but you never acted on it, and you just chose the easy way out. Maybe it's something like walking across the room to reach a person and share your story in Jesus. Oh, but that would be so hard and difficult because I don't even know what they'll say, and I could even lose them as a friend. So you choose the easy way out, and you just talk about church and culture versus Jesus and his love and mercy for you. Who can remember what happened about seven months ago? I can. Those New Year's resolutions? Anybody? How are those going for you right now? Some of you are like, I don't even remember what it was. But my, my hunch tells me this, you're still paying for those club membership fees. You may be asking Am I supposed to really work on my body, honoring God with this and and getting my body into shape? You know, here's the truth. It's a hard right to change what you care about. And it's so easy to sit at home and eat some potato chips. Anybody? Come on. There we go. See? Let me just phase this way. It's so easy to sit back and eat some donuts. How about that one? All right? But it's hard to put that donut back, just drink some water, and go walk a couple miles tonight. It's hard because you got to put it into your time. you got to change what you care about. Maybe for some of you, you know what it feels like you're supposed to serve somewhere in church, especially in Kidsville, living in First Impressions or, or even the Nest. What about Love Loud Now and going and giving up some time on a Saturday morning for overcomers, special needs kids who are just thriving to be a part of your life? And my hunch tells me to change your life more than it changes theirs. But that means you have to change something in your schedule. You got to rearrange it. It's going to get hard. Maybe you have to get up a little bit earlier on Sunday mornings to come and serve and, and love on others. You're like, I, I, I just want to sleep in. The easy route is just to sleep in. I get 20 more minutes. I can get there at 1030 and still find a donut. What does it look like for you to change what you care about? To choose the hard right? What if you know you're supposed to start a ministry, but you just felt like it was easier to keep going in the direction you are because Now you have a family. It could be even something as simple as you were supposed to give something away to somebody. Something that you felt like you were supposed to do in journaling, writing a book, painting, spoken word, music, cooking, the list goes on. I don't know what it is, but you do. God placed it on your heart for a reason and you have to choose to respond. And there's something on your heart that you really felt like it was a burden, most likely from God, but you didn't do a thing about it. 
and now it's years later. Think about that moment, and, and if God shows you something, I want you to listen for this couple minutes here, through this message, what it might be from an unperspective of an unfinished mission for God. For many of you, God may speak to you in the same, very same way he spoke to the people in the time of Haggai, and he's going to say these four little words, and I hope it hits home right now. The time is now. The time is now. In Haggai 1, 3 through 5, it says, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourself to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains in ruins? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful, give careful, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about how you're living. Is it time for you to live in these paneled houses when my house is left in ruins? Now, you may say, what, what in the world is a paneled house? And for some of you, you like me, I grew up in a paneled house. I know exactly what a paneled house is. You ain't telling me, it ain't, it ain't that much, right? It's, it's, I know what a paneled house is. But let me just tell you something. I did some research on this, and this is not, this is not what you think it is. This, this is literally a game changer. According to some commentaries this, on this phrase, basically this, this, this is a high-end way of living. This is like granite countertops paneled, right? Granite backsplash, triple crown molding, the best of the best. You got the best TV, the best cars, the big pool, the garage, plus the extra garage to hold all the crap you bought from the 127 yard sale. Just had to go there for this weekend. You got all this kind of stuff, and, and God is not against us having nice things. He's against us putting nice things ahead of him. He's not against us having nice things. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want nice things to have us. And for so many of us, that's what happens. This is exactly what happened to them. At this point, the people are putting their own comfort ahead of God's house, God's priorities, God's ways. And that's why he says, give careful thought to your ways. So I just raise the question right now as you look inward to you. And maybe this idea of an unfinished opportunity. And ask yourself, are you putting your own comfort ahead of his calling, his will? his love for you? Are you trying to make a name for yourself? Or are you trying to make a difference in the community with his love? Are you putting your house before his house? Or is there something that you're putting ahead of God? Give careful thought to your ways. God wants us to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And I want to give you something that's more personal for me than anything. And early on in our ministry, even back to before student ministry, my wife knew we were, we were supposed to do something really huge in, in our lives, but I would just say that she, she did not, you know, she didn't know what she was talking about because I was the guy that had the degree, and she didn't. Um, so be it. I'm just being honest, you know. 
you can, you can judge me later, but it was one of those moments of clarity. Eventually, we, we, we got to a rocky place in our marriage. And because I was, I was, I was focused on religion and, and moving up the ranks, and, 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 and you know, this, this, this moment with God was just working on me. And, and now there was a season where me and God, we were wrestling in our backyard. And I was in a hammock. And literally, I'm in for more than six to seven weeks, man. Me and him were just going at it at nighttime. I didn't sleep well. I probably slept maybe 20 hours a week. And I was out there in the middle of the night. I was just being stubborn. And I get that from my mom. And, and you know, but my wife was out there in the middle of the night. She was just praying for me. But at the same time, you know, we were going through the trees. She was out there just literally, there's got to be somebody else out here. She's with a flashlight, you know, in her, in her PJs. Just, who is out here? Like, I just, me and God. I don't know what's going on. But she was praying for this all the way along, and all of a sudden, God started to change my heart, pushing my heart more to him. That means I had to give up everything that I had a desire for. I had to stop building my house and start working on his. You see, eventually, we both found ourselves on our knees together asking God, if you send us, we'll go. And to be honest, I thought we were going to the jungles of Africa or India. I really did. I, I, I just didn't expect him to send me to the jungle of Danville. I didn't expect that. That was, a, that was a hard right. It was interesting. Didn't see that one coming, right? He said, if you trust me, don't worry about money. Don't worry about people. Just stay focused on me. And along the way, you choose the hard right. And let me tell you something, it's been hard. It's been hard at many times. It had it, it been so easy just to, just to go a different direction. You, you would not believe how many phone calls have come since we chose this hard right. To say, hey, listen, would you consider? Hey, would you consider? The job offers, would you consider? Would you come back? We chose not to because we believe in what God's about to do. God has so much more in store simply because we know that he is changing us along the journey, and it's the hard right. You see, change will happen when we continue to change, when we continue to change inwardly. You see, my question I ask myself is, is what would have happened if I would have listened 10 to 15 years earlier? Where would we be today? You see, delayed obedience is no different than disobedience. But I'm thankful for him and how he has moved me to where I'm at today. I think I'm a better man and I'm a a better follower of who Jesus is because I chose a hard right. Some of you right now, there there will be something in your life where you know you're supposed to do it and, and God's called you to do it. And like me, you're, you're taking the easy wrong. And you're like, hey, God, what does it look like to choose the hard right? And he's sitting there screaming, the time is now. I want to show you some verses real quickly. These are haunting to, to image that, that, that think that it changed so little from 500 years before Christ. This is, is what God says, and, and I guarantee you there are many of you here today that say, I feel the exact same way. God says this in Haggai verse 1, 6. It says, you planted much but you harvested little. 
You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in your purse with holes in it. He's swinging, man. You see, today's translation for that verse would look like this. You're working 60 hours a week and you still don't feel like you have anything. You're pouring everything into a career and it feels so empty and alone. You have more than you've ever had before and you still don't feel satisfied. You entertain yourself, you go to games, you go to movies, you eat out, and yet you still long for something more. You see, Haggai would say to us, give careful thought to your ways. Think about it. Are you putting your house, your home, your heart ahead of God's plans, his love, and his house? Is there any unfinished business that you need to start working on? Verses seven to eight says this, here, here are these people, right? And, and they look around and, and they say, we got to build this temple, but we don't feel good enough to do it. It's not going well. There's opposition. It's too difficult. It's challenging. It's hard. Watch what, how loving God is. Watch him now. This is good. This is good. In verse seven, give careful thought to your ways. He says it again. Then he's basically what he's going to do is he's going to, to break it down into three simple steps. And he says it this way, go into the mountains and bring down some timber and build my house. Go to the mountains, bring down some timber and build my house. And so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. I don't don't know if you missed that one, but let me say it one more time. Go up to the mountains, bring down some timber and build my house. And for some of you, let me just translate. Go to 84 Lumber, Go get some wood, build my house. Are you with me? Go to Lowe's, go get some wood, come on over, and let's do something amazing. You see, that's hard. That's hard. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Bring down the temper. Well, that's hard. It's, 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 it's challenging. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes, it takes resources. But the hard right over the easy wrong always pays off. Come down and build the temple step by step. And God says, step by step. God says, step by step. And here's one, here's two, here's three. He gave us three quick steps to follow. Here's the problem that I found out for so many of us, even in this room. So many of us are going, God, what about steps four, five, and six? I need the details but who's going to pay for this and and how is it going to happen and where are we going to go and what's going to go on and who's going to be in there? And I need to know details. God, I I need to know. Before I move, I just need to know. How much time is it it going to take and how long do we have and, and, and how is it all going to be worked out, God? I need steps four, five, and six. And God says, don't worry about those steps. Don't worry about steps four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Just do one, two, and three. My word is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. If his word is a lamp unto our feet, and a, he will show us steps one, two, and three, so we get to see four, five, and six. First, you gotta take steps one. 
You see, you, you have to do what God showed us first before he reveals more to you. And sometimes you say, I want the details, God. Let me tell you something. You can't handle the details. I'll give you what you need when you get there, but you need to take the first step. What do you do? You go up to the mountains, you bring down some timber, and you start to build. What's it going to look like? You don't know. Just trust him with the blueprint. It's in the Bible. Read it. For me and my family, it's simple. Do you trust me? I said, yes. He said, don't worry about money. Don't worry about people. And just put me in the middle. A movement started, and we've never looked back. So my question is for you is, what does it mean for you? As we shut this down, what does it mean to you? I don't know, maybe it's getting rid of all the junk food. Maybe it's getting rid of all the tobacco. Maybe it's porn. Giving up that credit card, it could be launching a ministry that could change the world. Or maybe even for you to show up and begin to serve. But you just have to take the first step. And that first step is the one that allows you to begin to feel different, see the difference, and and to believe in the difference. You see, this this is what it means to walk in the spirit of Jesus. And that's what we're commanded to do as followers of Jesus, by the way. And we want to walk by his side, not our own. And I want you to know the details, right? I want to know the details, right? That's what we always say. I want God to show me everything. God's not going to show you step four, five, and six until you take that first step of obedience. Because I believe there's unfinished business. There's an unfinished assignment, a project, or a mission in this room. And so the question that you're probably asking, God, then what do I do? This is some guy that, the book of Haggai. That was a long time ago, God, but you don't know my story right now. You're right, I don't. He does. If you're taking notes, write this one down, four words. Quit talking and start doing. Quit it, goofing off and move. Quit wondering Start believing. Just quit thinking about it. Quit talking about it and go up to the mountains today and do it. Do something about it. Be salt and light to a world that's broken. Be the, be the moment, a movement maker because God stirred your heart. Be faithful of God today and watch what he reveals tomorrow. This is what me and Sarah did. I don't want this to be about us because I'm still learning. We started to do the hard right over the easy wrong and it began to change me. And when it started to change me, it started to change everything around me. It created a changing culture of what I cared about. And in my family, it changed our, actually it started to ripple around our whole family. It spilled over into others around us. It spilled over into families even that we got to hang out with around campfires and on our table. And then we like to say this next phrase is, it's changed lives what? Changed lives. 
And when I started it, it all allowed us to be difference makers for our community, where we work, live where we live, where we play for Jesus. And our love is going to build something because he is at the center of it. I don't even know what it looks like yet. I just know we're supposed to be there. I don't even know how we're going to pay for it. Just being honest. But I, I trust him. He said, don't worry about it. it. Might be encouragement for some of you to write a check. Just saying. Bills are coming. Just being completely transparent, though. I had no idea of the blessings of what God had in store when he said, love built this on the other side of obedience. Ultimately, I just want you to do the same thing. Because what is the hard right over the easy wrong for you today? What does it mean? What is the hard right over the easy wrong? And Jesus, we just stop and we pray. And we ask that you move us to that hard position. And it's actually kind of easy. We just got to say, you're our Savior. You're our Lord. From that moment on, we just trust you. And we get to see what love can build. For others who've been following Jesus for a long time, just putting off things, we're we're just going to allow you to build something in a way that creates movement. We're going to go do what it's required. We're going to go up the mountain. We're gonna get some things, get some items, get some timber, and we're gonna come back and we're gonna put it into application and we're gonna build it for you, God. It could turn out to be the greatest Lego ever built. Putting all these little pieces together to create a masterpiece that you spurned in our hearts so many years ago. And it's gonna change the world as we know it. But it starts with step one, us moving. Father, I pray that over us this morning, that we move, we respond, so we can know what it looks like to get there and stop being here because here is safe. It's easy. And there is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But we know the closer we get to those type of moments, those are the moments where we're in the moment of being completely obedient and following you. So Jesus, today, whatever it may be, Maybe it's a, just leaning into you for the very first time and maybe it's, it's literally just chasing after you. Maybe it's falling down to the knees and just praying over this altar. Maybe it's walking across the room and just asking for forgiveness over somebody. Or maybe it's grabbing their spouse's hand and just praying fervently. We need to work on us. Whatever it may be, God, may you be the center of it. And I pray that in your name. Amen.